Hey everybody, and welcome to the show. Coming to you live from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Warner, joined at the table this week by my good friends John Magi, Kevin Close, Kathy <laughs> Warling, Jenny Lynn Knopp, and back in the production nook, our producer Dustin West, along with associate producer Sean Thompson and Craig Williams. And uh, this particular uh, show is a little different than what we normally do. In our segments, we are going to talk a little bit about our good friend, the late Bob Varley, whom we named this studio for. Um, Bob passed away uh, six years ago in April, uh, and it's hard to imagine that it's been six years. Uh, For those of you who have been following the show for years, um, I don't think we're going to shed any new light today on Bob. Um, We like to do these shows remembering him every year. Uh, A, to keep his memory alive, because it's important to us personally that we do that. Uh, Also, for those people who have just recently found the show and may not know who Bob is, we want to make sure that they know about him and how instrumental he was uh, to this show, to our site, and how important he was uh, to all of us as our friend. And... uh, so this is not scripted this is not planned we don't talk about this ahead of time this is just kind of a discussion among friends about someone that we lost it was um, a huge shock to us uh, six years ago when Bob passed away and uh, no one saw it coming Bob was not in ill health Uh, he died ultimately of a heart attack Uh, it was very sudden and uh, you know it, it completely jarred all of us Um, but I'm glad though that in the time since he's passed we have made sure on some level at least that he has not been forgotten Uh, and you know I think about him I think about him all the time it's impossible every you know every week we come in and do the show we mention his name Um, and everything that this show is uh, Bob played a role in Bob had wanted to do this show. Um, Bob had talked to me for years about wanting to do some kind of show. And uh, when we did this, he was in his glory. And had he lived long enough to see it go to video, he would have been even more in his, in his glory. Um, and I... Well, I'll tell you what, why don't we just do this? Why don't we just kind of talk about what what would we what do we want to tell people who were not here during the time that Bob was alive and on the show? What do we want to tell them? What would you want to tell them to kind of explain Bob to them? I'll start with John. I think anybody who's uh, gone back and listened to the shows and seen the videos that we put up that Bob marched to his own drummer, that he was unique. And he did things the way he wanted to do them, no matter how much we tried to force him to do the things the right way. He insisted on doing things his way. So he was he was just one of those people that were so he was so different. But he was also very nice. He was just a great guy. He always wanted to help. He always wanted to be the person who um, just helpful and be there for you. We talk about this in the past, how Bob would do things like go somewhere ahead of time and find us a parking spot. 
<laughs> and it'd be like, Bob, we're not going to dinner for another half hour. And he'd radio us and say, I got a spot for you. Hurry up. I'm standing in it. <laughs> um, I found a better way to get someplace. I found this for you guys, or I can do this for you guys. Well, doing, you know, um, before a trip, uh, if we were driving, Bob driving the route ahead of time, like a few weeks ahead of time, to see which way uh, he could shave some time off or uh, do the route better or anything that we needed to be aware of. Bob was uh, Bob was a master planner, uh, especially on any kind of trip. And I'll tell you the times that we were in California doing things. And, you know, Bob always drove. And I know there was one event that we did um, where uh, I, I think we probably logged about two or 3,000 miles driving that week because we were doing so much of it. Bob did it all, and he knew exactly where he was going because he had all the routes mapped out and planned. And um, but I think you're also right that you know what what comes to mind when I think of Bob is heart of gold and give you the shirt off his back. And that was Bob. Doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, if he met you five minutes ago, you were his friend, and anything he could do to help, anything he could do to you know be a friend to you, that's what he did. And none of that was shtick. None of that was disingenuous at all. It was just his absolute nature. Um, and I think we were all, or most of us in the room anyway, uh, these guys uh, in the back, and Jenny Lynn never had really had the opportunity to meet Bob. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry Corey, Corey or Julie couldn't be here today, but they have some they had some stuff going on today that uh, was just unavoidable. And I didn't want to wait another week to do this, to do this show. People have been asking um, for it. I know. Well, I, I didn't want to do it without you guys in particular. I appreciate that. And uh, I felt it was important for as many of us to be together as, as humanly possible uh, to do this show. You talk about, this isn't a contest, but you talk about what you think about Bob every week. Um, I actually still watch Bob's email account. Bob had some really great, uh, sub, uh, he had subscribed to a lot of Disney-related stuff. So that's what I use a lot of times to get my news stories, as I still watch his email. So Bob's name comes up for me every day. And one of the things that's kind of funny is every once in a while I forget, and I forward people something from the Bob email account. <laughs> and I got, crap, Bob's emailing me. No, well, that was when we hired, uh, we hired Teresa. Um, Teresa didn't get Bob's phone, but she got Bob's phone number. And we were in Epcot with Bob's son, Brian. And we were over in the China Pavilion. And Teresa was just kind of joking around, and she texted Brian from a distance, I'm watching you. Oh, and it comes up on Brian's phone as Bob, and he's like starts freaking out. Teresa's a sick ticket. <laughs> she didn't realize that's, you know, what was going to come up on his phone, but Brian still had Bob, that number is his father and his phone, and he just kind of started freaking out. That's funny. Out. His Bob would think that was funny. Oh, Bob, absolutely. He would think that was hysterical. Absolutely. That was going on. So. In light of the same thing, the day Bob died, we all drove over to Diana's house, Bob and Diana's house, and we were all sitting out and back, and this is kind of ghoulish, but they were trying to piece the, put the pieces together, and Diana came out, and she said to us, he got up. And we all sat there and thought, I don't understand. What are you telling us? <laughs> Come to find out it meant that they had put another piece into it and that he had moved from where he was originally. And it's, it's not funny, but it was funny to us that day because it was she shocked us all with hope. Yeah. Bob is my first contemporary that has passed away. Bob is the first true friend in my adult life. I've lost grandparents, and I've, there were people in high school that I knew who passed away, and during the 80s, 
there were some peripheral people I knew. Bob is the first real contemporary that I yeah. have had, that I have lost, and I was rocked by it. Since Bob has died, my mom has died, my dad has died. My best friend all through my life, Michael Wagner, I've talked about him on this show before, and I lost two dogs. So the last six years have been filled with grief. And grief morphs from what you originally think it is. And Bob is the first one. And it kind of prepared me for others, if that makes any sense. Uh, it makes perfect sense to me, yeah. It kind of... You think to yourself, I'm not going to make it through, but you do. You do, because you have no choice. Right. Mm-hmm. You move ahead. And if Bob were here, I would tell him that, that he kind of trained me mm. for what was to come. Also, again, you mentioned it, it was, it was very sudden. Right. It yeah. wasn't expected. And, you know, we've, I've had people in my life pass away who have been sick. So you kind of prepare yourself for that. Mm-hmm. This was a complete and total shock. It was actually one of those things where it was no one believed it. It was kind of like, is this a sick joke that mm-hmm. someone's playing on us? John and I and my mom and dad were at Trail's End, reviewing Trail's End for the show. And Corey called us. And if you've ever been to Trail's End, you know you can't drive there. We had to wait for a bus. Mm. And we had to wait for a bus that was wheelchair accessible at the time. So we were trapped by, by Trail's End for a while. And I just remember being so freaked out by it. That it and it was, it was so unbelievable to me. Six years later, the grief is much duller. It's much... It's much more manageable, but it rolls over you every once in a while. Yeah, for me, that comes, that comes up whenever we do anything. Whenever there's, whether it's an ABD trip or a podcast cruise or Dizzapalooza or whatever, whatever. I, I just, I always think about him. I always think about how much he would love this, how much he would, you know, when we started putting the studio together, when we started getting ready to go to video, that was something God Almighty he wanted to see us do that. When Bob died, I felt for the first time like part of my safety net was gone. Mm. I never used it for this. I never used Bob's friendship. But I knew, no matter where I was in the world, if John and I were stuck, Bob would come and get us. It just was, he was that way. Bob had your back. I remember one day you were going on a cruise, and he offered to drive you to Miami. Yeah. (laughs) And and come back and get you. And I thought, there's very few people in the world I like well enough to drive four hours to Miami. But... I always felt like that part of that safety net was gone. It was gone. It was like. Well, I I remember distinctly feeling, um, for a long time after he died, it wasn't just in the immediate aftermath. You know, I, I guess in my life, uh, you know, I've had my share of challenges, and I've always felt that, you know, my wits and hard work and ingenuity, I could fix any problem that came up I could work through any challenge that came up and this feeling would come over me of thinking about him being gone and just the natural instinct in me was how can I figure this out how can I fix this and there was nowhere there was no way and that that you know even though intellectually I understood that of course the man is dead there's no way to bring him back Emotionally, something in me didn't get that. There were questions of, should we do it? Should we keep doing the show? 
What should we do with the site? How should we change the, the travel agency? I no mean, amount of money you throw at it changes it. No. I mean, these are questions that all and came we, up. And we all went on spending sprees, like in the immediate aftermath. I know you guys got a car. Um, I don't remember. It was right after Bob passed away. Yeah, it was right after Bob passed That's away. Right. You, got the, you got the convertible. Um, I went out and bought all new equipment for the studio. Yeah, buying a car is not a spending spree to me. <laughs> I have other spending sprees. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Um, I know what you mean. I just remember that's when you guys were thinking about bringing me on to the podcast. It was three days before Bob died, and we were all over at Animal Kingdom, and it was when Joe Rohde was talking. It was Animal Kingdom's, that'd be the 10th, 10th anniversary. so, yeah. But I can remember we were all sitting there, and, and Katie was very quietly singing the music from Little Nemo. And he turned me, and I, I knew Bob from being in the parks, and he was like my celebrity crush because, you know, I would see him in the parks, and I, I want to be him. It's so completely adorable. <laughs> Someday. But Katie was sitting there singing very quietly, and Bob turns to us and goes, is she going to sing every damn song? And Katie's like, <laughs> And like three days later was when he died, you know? And I said, I can remember getting that email because I can remember on the Diz. When you guys would, you know, before I was on the podcast, I would talk back to you, you know, when you were saying different things. And I can remember the people that used to be upset how you guys all picked on Bob. And I'm like, yeah. they're not they're not picking on. They're doing that out of love. That, that They respect him enough that they can do that. And I, I was can, also in on that joke. Oh, completely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. definitely, completely. definitely. Yes, but, I, you know, I said I can remember when um, there was two... Um, meets at the Swan Dolphin. We were upstairs, and I walked over and I was saying something to him, and he's like, "You you noticed that? I mean, like he was a very sincere person. That he 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 got it. He, you know." I want to say you all talk about how you know it rocked your worlds, obviously because you knew him, but it also rocked the listenership, and I know that because I was listening. Right. I was living in Virginia and um, listening at that time, and. You know, you all are very real people in the lives of the listeners. You are in their homes every week. You become guests in their homes every week. And so Bob was definitely a very um, a, a real person to the people who are listening, even people like me who I've never personally met him. He came across every bit the way that you're describing him as the planner. And, um, you know, I get the whole, you guys did pick on him a lot. He was the butt of a lot of jokes. But I think that it came across that, you know, he actually enjoyed that. You guys were giving mm-hmm. him a time. Oh, not everybody understood. No. no. I understood it. Maybe it's, I usually end up being the butt of a lot of people's jokes. So I get it. It's, it's a fun, playful thing. And We so, finally said to Bob one day, you have to come clean on this. You can't portray yourself as the victim. The victim all the time. You have to come clean on that. I think what people didn't realize is that we were all friends. Bob and Diana and John and I and some other people, we all traveled together. Right. We all spent every Saturday together. We went out to dinner every Saturday night. So it wasn't just this was a co-worker. Bob was a friend. Right. Bob yeah. was part of our family. Well, it right. came across that way, at least, you know, from my listening perspective, um, and that you guys were all kind of a unit, and you were a unit that came into my home every week that I loved. And so when he passed, it, it hit it hit. Mm-hmm. You were missing someone that came into your home every week. Right. I think that was a surprise, too. I think that it was, was a surprise big. how people responded to it. Because, I don't know, I think we we kind of have this idea that, yeah, people are watching us and people are listening to us, and that's great. But when someone responds in that way, 
and people responded in that way overwhelmingly. There was a deluge. It right, was incredible. Loss. So How many people uh, responded to that, and from all over the world, not just you know if that that was stunning to us. That thread on the podcast board, in particular, I but, remember also there was a, a Dole Whip meet over at Magic Kingdom for Bob that we all came together, mm-hmm. and this was back in the day when John and Kevin didn't want their picture out there, and I used to always take pictures at all these things, and John's are not, no, 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 I can't be in the picture, so I used my Photoshop skills, and I put bushes where John and Kevin were supposed to be, and I said to Katie, not the both Georges, Laura and, <laughs> but I put, you know, bushes, and I'm like, hey, that turned out really nice, and I said to Katie, but you know what, I didn't take out their legs. Our feet are in the picture. Yes, their legs and their feet. And it took, I think, nanoseconds before people went, wait a minute, I see legs in there. Who is who? But how many people did we have come that day? Yeah, it was, was nice the meet. worst rain That's I have true. ever seen. It rained so bad, they closed the monorail. The bottom of the monorail flooded, and they wouldn't let people up the stairs. So they opened up boats, but they closed the covered part of the boat launch. So it was torrential, and no one was under the boat launch. So I decided to direct traffic, and I cut off the line, and I moved people under the thing. And this manager came over and said, what are you doing? I said, what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> so I remember that meet. The reason we didn't want our pictures taken was we were doing restaurant reviews. Right, right. And when you tell somebody their food is swell, you don't want anybody right, spitting right. in your food. Yeah. So we tried to remain incognito. I tried. But your legs were famous. <laughs> we talk about, you know, we do stuff and we think about how Bob would enjoy it. We went on this big trip, and I thought, you know, I don't know if he would have went, but he would have tried really hard oh, to be on this cruise. You know, you know he would have gone. You tell him you're, you're going to spend a month in the South Pacific? Are you kidding? Right. Try and keep him away. Doesn't you know, I, I said the same thing last year when we did the Beyond the Parks, you know, doing Alani, Alaska, and California. There would have been no, there would have been no dealing with him. There was, would not have been a question. And even if you know, I would say to him, Bob, you know, we can't, you know, I can't afford to, you know, take you along. I'll pay for it myself. However, let's be honest, Bob would have driven you crazy. Well, with yeah, the, the with the dry runs and the pre, Bob was famous for, listen, Pete, all you're going to need is three ounces of yellow cake uranium, a panel van, a couple of yards of duct tape, and two thermometers. And you'd think, I don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> but he but Bob did. He would have driven you crazy with that, too. Absolutely. And I think that's part of, you know, when my mom passed, you start to go from understanding somebody as a person to rising them to sainthood and I think to myself that's unfair to them and it's unfair to you we can't raise sorry we can't raise Bob to sainthood Bob was a live human being a multifaceted loving charming human being but there were times when Bob drove us crazy oh no question and I think that part of it to make him a whole well-rounded person we have to include that absolutely look there were there were things that drove me insane with Bob, and I've always said that that you know there would even in his eulogy, I said there would, you know, Bob was there whether you wanted him to be or not. Um, but you said he'd give you the shirt off your back, and my thought was whether you wanted the shirt or not. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I think one of the things I don't know that I raised Bob in my mind to the level of sainthood, um, but I do recognize how extraordinary he was as a person. 
uh, his capacity for love, his capacity for forgiveness and understanding. Um, you know, I I regret not appreciating that more when he was alive. I think that's part of, as I said, there's been a great deal of loss, and I've spent a great deal of time thinking about it. And I think that after someone passes, that's your immediate reaction. You forget the bad. And I don't mean bad. I don't mean it like that. Right. You forget the whole person, and all you remember is the good. And I think that's helpful for people who have lost. I really do. But in my mind, that negates some of them. That's kind of like, that's not realistic. And I want to remember the people as I loved them. I don't just want to remember the good things. But I do help that, that, I think that helps you get through some grief. I think there's also hindsight, too. You look back and you think about somebody. I think about Bob, and one of the things that I always, what I sort of reflect on now is, Bob was ahead of his time in a lot of things that weren't available yet. Yes. Bob had wires running through his house, so he would have internet in every room before there was really Wi-Fi in people's houses. And it, you know, it was like these big sweeping wires would go through his kitchen so he could have a computer there. You know, things like that. He was into the Nextel phones, you know, so he really was always on the, the forefront of what was new and what was cool in technology. And I think back and I think, wow, he really wanted that stuff. And his ideas, his ideas for things we could do with the site, for things we could do with the show, were many times uh, well ahead of what the technology we had available to us was, uh, so I think you're absolutely right that he was, you know, very much, very much a Renaissance man in that regard, and he had these ideas. Uh, so much of the format of this show is very similar uh, from a video standpoint to what Bob envisioned doing. We mentioned that Bob had, uh, and I know everybody in the chat room is making fun of me for adjusting my glasses. I don't know why I do it; it's a, just a tick, but. I adjust my glasses a lot, so it's a drinking game now. Every time I adjust my glasses, <laughs> I take a shot. Um, the chatter editor bombed. <laughs> yeah. um, alcohol poisoning at this point. Um, you know, I, Bob had done a cable access show uh, in when he was living in Massachusetts with his son Matt, uh, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was called World of Mickey. And we had it on the site at one point, and something has happened to the video. We just found this out recently, so we're trying to get that corrected so we can get that back up. Um, we also have some other video that we found that we didn't realize we had, which we've had some difficulty getting transferred over into a format we can use on the show, but we haven't given up on that. We hope to have that in the next couple of weeks. But Bob, uh, Bob had done this show, and he wanted to be able to kind of take that concept of what he did with World of Mickey and, and bring it into this and when we worked on the roundtable format so much of uh, so much of the ideas of, of what this became ultimately you know were some of Bob's ideas well why, well, why don't we do this why don't we, we gotta make sure we have a news segment and, um, you know different different aspects of how we did the show um, so many people have found this show uh, recently um, I know just this year alone, our audience has grown pretty sizably. And every time we do one of these shows, I say the same thing. Uh, please go back and listen to the archives. Go back and listen to the old shows starting with that first show in, I believe it's uh, July of uh, 2006. And, oh God, it's really been eight years. Um, go back and listen to those uh, those shows that 
you can really kind of get to know Bob again. And uh, I was going to say, you know, what else I mention is if you ever see Diana, Bob's wife, somewhere, share a memory with her. Because a lot of times, you know, after your loved one passes, people don't know what to say to you. And the best thing you can do is, is share a memory. That helps keep them alive, too. You know, if you have a favorite Bob story, you know, share it with her. I know she she feels lost now when she goes to the park. She was so used to doing it with Bob. Right. You know, so. I have something else to share. I don't know if people realize this or not. We used to do this show from what is basically the nook. Right. What is the production nook now was where we used to do the show from. The whole show. Everybody. And Bob had the back seat. Bob was the seat closest to the, to the window. window. Right where, and right for Bob Craig to get is. back there, everybody had to wait for him to get out, get in. So if Bob had to go out for any reason, everybody in the studio had to stand up and let Bob out. This is much more spacious. I don't know why <laughs> that's important. But Bob would love the fact that not everybody had to move so he could go out of the room. I do want to talk to the guys in the back. I know, in particular, Dustin, I know that you were a fan of the show from the very, very beginning. Right. Um, why don't you talk about some of your impressions and thoughts on Bob? Yeah, I. For for me, I think early on, uh, for me, and I think maybe a lot of other listeners, he might have been uh, early on the most uh, relatable to uh, to everyone because he, you know, was such a vigorous planner and uh, that excitement about every little detail, every little rapid fire news story he brought. I'm very excited about it, and I think a lot of listeners can relate to that. I agree with that. Yeah. As a listener, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, um, that I mean that was uh, that was one of my things is <clears throat> that he was very easily relatable. I also, you know, as a listener, I feel like I was uh, able to see that you know the joking that was going on. You referenced earlier that he was in on it. You know, kind of uh, that that banter back and forth that you guys had you know i i think it came across to us that he was definitely in on it he was playing things up maybe a little bit uh but you guys were all having fun not at first he wasn't yeah at first he didn't at first he was just being bob yeah he started to later on bob is responsible for some of the biggest laughs i've had oh, in the oh, last yeah. 10 years and oh I, yeah and i think the audience can relate to that as well not just here at the table for you guys. But Whether it's politically it or correct or not, one of the funniest things I've ever been a part of was a segment that I think has been removed. Oh, it has. Costa Guada, Mexico. And I don't know that I've laughed. I, it hurt. Oh, that was... You no, know, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, one of the funniest parts of it, John and I were just quoting lines that had already been televised on Will and Grace. So this wasn't original material. The funniest part of that was Bob just trying to muscle through far. it. Yeah. To try and... J- He'd stop. He'd let us finish, and then he'd start back up again, which made us laugh harder. Right, right. Uh, my other my other experience with that was um, as I was listening through the show, um, I had gone on to the the college program uh, in uh, 2008, and I when I was on the college program, I was working at Disney. I kind of stopped listening for about five or six months, and so by the time I caught back up. I didn't experience when he passed away live, you know, as it was going. It was right when I caught back up. So it's like that was kind of a bizarre experience, um, not knowing that that was happening um, as I was listening to the shows building up to that. Um, So that was kind of a different experience. I wanted to say, you know, from the listener perspective, I thought that the 
how it was handled afterwards was very appropriate. You guys just went on hiatus for a little while because there there was going to be an, an absence of a voice, as I said before. There was a silence. And at least uh, from where I was, I didn't want to hear other voices talking over that silence. I just thought it was very appropriate that there was a timeout. And, then, had and then, then you picked up again, and that was great because we were all ready for you to come back at that point. But um, I, I at least appreciated the fact that there wasn't going to be this talking over a void that was so obviously there. And it also would have, you know, negated the situation if we just came back and all of a sudden had a new show. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to be lighthearted. Yeah, it was hard to be lighthearted. Yeah, for sure. and it was, you know, there was, you know, as John had mentioned before, there was a real question as to whether or not we were even going to continue doing the show after he died. You know, I, one of the realizations I had after his death was, you know, Bob had been involved with, a, with the site, you know, not from the very beginning, but pretty early on. In, in the history of the Diz, Bob was involved first as a, a moderator, as a visitor to the boards, as a moderator uh, on the theme park boards, uh, and then you know as a friend, and then with Dreams, Bob was there for the you know when we launched Dreams and uh, did all that. All the, you know, he just was a part of what we did. And you know, one of the realizations I had after he died was never thought about doing this without him. Never considered doing this without him and did I want to uh, especially where the show was concerned and so it really did you know take some time for me personally to come to a place where okay if Bob were here he would be telling me of course you continue to do the show and if we hadn't continued to do the show we would not have been able every year at least, if you know, not to mention the other times throughout the year that we mention them, but at least this time once a year, we wouldn't have been able to keep that memory alive, uh, to grow the audience and let more people get to know Bob. Um, I just got this today uh, from one of our listeners. Uh, it was sent to the Diz Unplugged mailbox, and uh, I want to I want to read this. This is from uh, Gene Stewart, uh, who writes: "I discovered your podcast for the first time." the beginning of last year and fell in love with it. The first uh, I heard of Bob was, quote, from the Bob Varley studio. At that point, I didn't know what a huge significance that name held. It wasn't until you did the five-year Bob Memorial show with his wife that I learned who he was. Pete recommended going back and listening to old shows and getting to know him. I took his advice and did just that. I was blessed to become friends with Bob last year. He is probably one of only a few people who could make friends from the afterlife, and your podcast makes that possible. Since I knew he had passed when I started listening, I took note of all the funny and entertaining moments, and as I listened, I kept a log of them. When I got to, when I got to the show where you announced the news, I cried and mourned, mourned for my new friend. Knowing it was coming didn't help the loss. I listened to your first Best of Bob show and loved it. The Rick's Lounge, Empty Dole Whips, and Nap Advice segments are priceless. But I really wanted to make a sequel to the Best of Bob show and include so many more of the great Bob moments from your podcast. Um, I gave a tip of the hat to part one using just some of the quick Bob sound bites, but I've made a brand new show with all different clips. I gathered some audio of the podcast team from all the Bob Memorial shows and included them uh, in a special ending that I created to honor this wonderful man. My hope is that you will listen and enjoy the show I've created. It's a little gift back to the podcast team. Uh, I guess it's a re-gift since I'm giving you back clips from your own podcast. Uh, 
So uh, I, first, I, I want to thank Eugene for sending this to us. Have not had a chance to listen to it yet, but I will, and uh, we will uh, put that up uh, with uh, with the show either this week or next week um, because uh, I think that's really cool. A listener. I'm a little floored by it. Isn't it amazing? It's one of those gifts that. Uh, you know, it's not something you can just buy. He had to take his time and energy, and wow, I'm a little overwhelmed at the idea. And it's it just it really is a testament to, you know, that to Bob's personality, to his um, uh, that people can go back and listen and get to know him. And one of the one of the best. Um, one of the best gifts I've gotten from doing this show is that I have this library of memories that I can go back to and listen to, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I just miss hearing his voice, and I'll go back to an old show or a few old shows and listen back to them. And, you know, from this perspective, from being in my seat, um, I can remember what I was feeling on a particular show and remember things I'd forgotten um, which kind of just bring up all new memories. So, you know, I do from time to time do that. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that, that we have that. I'm grateful that we at least had a few good years with Bob here doing this show. I wish uh, it had been video, but we didn't have the ability to do that until Dustin, until we hired Dustin. Um, what about uh, Sean and Craig? I want to get some, some thoughts from you guys on this. Um, so for me, I didn't listen to the show when Bob was still alive. So I didn't start listening until the end of 2008 when I was getting ready for my uh, college program. So I, I, I didn't. I, I heard his name a lot. Um, my friend William actually had listened for a while, and so he was actually at the uh, the Magic Kingdom meet for the for the Dole Whips. So I, I didn't understand it at the time, um, but obviously I have since gone back and listened, and I completely agree with what Gene said. You you get to know him, and even though you expected, you, you knew what was going to happen. You knew you were going to get to that point. But it was just as rough, and uh, I can't recommend enough going back and listening because just going through all that and getting to know Bob, it's it's really amazing. And I will say now, getting you know talking to you guys, and now that I know you and you know John, Kevin, and Corey, when I hear the stories of Bob from you guys, that's so cool too because it's stuff you know people you know listeners don't get that access sure but i know Corey has so many amazing bob stories and he always shares them and i know you know john and kevin do too and so do you pete so it's really cool to have that so i would definitely recommend going back and listening yeah i mean i have a not to retread on what sean said but i started listening in uh 2009 during my senior year of college whenever whenever i'd study i'd always put it in the background so I was I was really late to the game on all of it. We, but, were, uh, white, we were white noise for his. Uh, <laughs> At least he didn't say he fell asleep to us. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was sometimes, but that's that's a different conversation for another day. Um, but uh, definitely what Sean said, like especially walking around with Corey, he'll just pull off random things depending on where we are, and just you know he'll sit there and he'll just laugh about it, and it, it's amazing to see that. I I've never really experience loss or anything like that so it's hard for me to understand but uh, it's it's also really nice to see how people deal with it um and then even like for me i'm i'm discovering bob in a different way going back through the universal site uh and 
a lot of his vi- or not video, sorry, but a lot of his pictures, and there's even text that he wrote there that I, I don't think it's visible to anyone, but just stuff that I've found trying to dig for more and more information on yeah. it. And it's so it's so awesome to find that, and it's like little hidden Easter eggs that I get for myself and can't give to anyone else right now, but hopefully one day. You know, something that I think is is cool about going back and maybe listening to those um, podcasts, while the um, information on the podcast might not be uh, current or even relevant anymore because the parks have changed so much, there is a very serious entertainment factor there because he had a dynamic with all of you that just really added something. So, um, you know, just to, when he talks about he found a friend in Bob, that's because it's not it's not just about information. He was, it was the dynamic that he had with everyone. So many laughs. You talk about, you know, the, the jokes or the things he said. It's absolutely hysterical. And those are the things that are timeless. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I also have said to people that, you know, none of that was really done for the benefit of the show. If we were sitting in my living room or we were sitting at a restaurant or in a theme park, those were the discussions we had. Those are the jokes that we made. Um, maybe some of the jokes were a little more colorful or maybe used some more colorful language than we would use on the show, but pretty much it's still the same. It was how we, you know, how we, how you see us interact on the show, pretty much how we interact in real life. And that was one of the decisions we came to early on with this that we didn't want to do shtick. We wanted to be authentic. We wanted to be ourselves because. Honestly, that was just the easiest thing to do. It was the easiest thing to remember. I think those earlier shows are even more honest. Oh, yeah, no question. We have been sanitized for your protection. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Those are much more overt. I don't know what else to say. That's why they're good. Those are realer than what we... I'm not saying that, that anybody's got a fake persona now. Right. We all just come into this knowing that there's a camera looking at us. So, you know. There is some. <laughs> and with that, an angel lost its wings. What <laughs> <laughs> was that noise? I have no That's idea. That's my tech sound. And I've got it turned down. I don't know why it's making that noise. Um, you know, it's... Uh, uh, there were times... There were times once we started realizing that people were actually listening, that I would catch Bob slipping into shtick. I would get mad at him about it. I'm like, you know, this is, we're not going to do that. We don't have to do this. We need to be ourselves. Just be yourself. Don't go for the laugh. Just kind of be yourself, and trust me, Bob, the laughs are going to follow. Do you remember the Um, day he pulled out that piece of paper? And you know how people use a yellow highlighter to highlight the highlights? He had the whole, he had like three pieces of paper, and every word of it was highlighted. <laughs> and we asked him, well, doesn't that sort of negate using the highlighter? <laughs> if you're going to read the whole thing. Or wasn't there a show where he brought in Dole Whips, but he had already drank mm-hmm. all the Dole Whips? Yes. So yeah. A cooler. A cooler, and everything was like, he already drank all of it. Yep, yep, yes, he did. He did, in fact, do that. He came in and led With us to believe cups. that he was going to bring Dole Whips in. And Is his bag still here? His bag is. His bag is here. Uh, he used to travel with 80 pounds of literature. <laughs> there was a man, I forget, I apologize, it's been a long time, who made us all a tote bag. And Bob used his. But if you lift it, you would think, Bob, what is in here? What are you bringing with you? Oh, but it wasn't just the tote bag. It got to a point where he would come in wheeling 
boxes of files. He had one of those milk crates on a on a like a luggage rack. On a luggage had, rack that was that you could wheel, and he had it bungeed, duct taped, and stuff. He had it bungeed so that it was it wouldn't fall off, and he would come in. And again, we were talking about you know when we did the show. Um, it, in those days, it was back where the production nook is now, so we didn't have a lot of space. And he's coming in with this milk box, this milk crate full of files with on luggage. this on this luggage rack that he's wheeling around, and he's got his big um, uh, his, his big you know uh, bag full of full of information. And that's assuming he had no props. And you know that was the running joke for the longest time that Bob would bring visual gags to a radio show, <laughs> and um, you know you hear that a lot uh, uh, when you go back and Bob, and, no one can see that. Yeah, it's like Bob, <laughs> they can't see it. Um, but all all part of the charm of uh, of being friends with Bob, and it was uh, as maddening as it could be at times. Certainly charming. Um, That's what I meant by remembering the whole person. You have to remember all of that about Bob. Oh, of course. Bob. You ha- that makes him a whole person in my mind. I want to remember all of Bob. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. As well as everybody else. So if you uh, have not had a chance to go back and listen to the archives, even if it's only a few shows, um, please go back and listen to a few. Kind of get to know him. Um, the best way, you know, people thank us all the time for doing this show. You really want to thank us. Um, you really want to appreciate the show for what it is. Then you have to go back and get to know him. Because even though he's not here, he is still very much a part of who we are and what we do. And will be as long as we do this. And if Bob touches you in any way, if Bob's memory touches you, Diana is on the boards. She's D-I-A-N hyphen E-R, which is how Bob said her Diana. name. So if you want to drop her a note and let her know that Bob came to you and how he, you got to know him, what he means to you, Diana would be happy to hear those mm-hmm. things. Again, it's D-I-A-N hyphen E-R on the boards. Diana. And with that, we are going to wrap this up. For those of you watching live, coming up next, John and Kevin are going to talk about their recent trip to the South Pacific. And uh, we hope you enjoyed our little stroll down memory lane remembering our good friend Bob Varley. And we'll be with you again next time with another edition of the Des Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone. And remember, go back and listen to Bob.